Raiders of the Fairies Puzzle Box contains completely immature material and vulgarity that would result in making your mother blush. If there are children in the room, you have about 30 seconds to get them to leave before you have to explain adult situations and words to them. If after listening to Raiders, you feel remorse or sorrow, just give it a while. It'll go away. Continue listening at your own risk. Previously on Raiders of Teferi's Puzzle Box. Do you want to know how I got these scars? By listening to Raiders. This is Heath Ledger. You're listening to Raiders. Well, basically, we didn't end up doing it, but I did end up slipping it in for a minute. Yeah, it never happened. Ah, that's too bad. No, I tried like hell, but it didn't happen. Like a leading, like a lot of there was a lot of truth to that, but no, no, I tried, but it never happened. What's the opportunity? Oh, by the way, you're an asshole. But I did put someone in the public just, but that is a story for another time. <laughs> okay, Clarence. Let's not tell that story. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> okay, so... You made me wear a condom, dude. It was weird. I have a feeling we're going to get in a fight on the podcast, soon. Hey, Dum Dum! A friend of mine in college thinks it'd be nude. That's what she said. That's not a story. That's a statement. Come on, tell us more. And... A lot of people didn't believe that it was me in the painting, even though it was the same exact haircut in the painting. I didn't know about this. This is that's it. That's the story. Yeah. And your husband didn't know about it, so. So I'm kind of hoping it's fiction. I'm gonna guess fiction. I don't. He said some bizarre stuff that's thrown me off before. I'm gonna go with fact. Josh, Josh guessed fiction. Clarence <laughs> guessed fiction. We haven't had a fiction yet. June? It's a fact. It happened. Wow. <laughs> so that's why he's getting wet. I don't know. <laughs> Is that angry? I swear I told you about this when we got in a big old argument and told me never to talk to you about it again. <laughs> like the first few weeks. You have disassociated. Even if I did, why would you bring it up on the podcast? Like, that's it, the story you, you chose. You said an unbelievable story. No, I didn't. I never used the words unbelievable. It's very good. Hey, Sam, tell us a story. <laughs> Hurry. Fast. Start now. <laughs> <laughs> so one time I was on this podcast story. and my brother and his wife started arguing. It was very awkward. I humped pillows like a mother, like a dog humping legs, you know? When, when I was in college, so, someone painted me nude. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go out and live and say fiction because you never went to college, you idiot. I went to college for half a semester, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
watch the yes. the uh, yes. roast yes. of David Hasselhoff? Yes. Oh my god, that was hilarious. It was. Gilbert Gottfried talking about. It was just really like inappropriate in every single way. Yeah. What, what do you say? I haven't watched a good roast in forever. Yeah. Did he take it all right? Yeah, he was yeah, really good. Yeah. Now being Absolutely. like, fuck you guys, I'm leaving. <laughs> I've only like. Anyway, welcome to episode twenty. Raiders of Teferi's Puzzle Box. We're sitting around talking about the roast of David Hasselhoff, along with other things like Sam's nice rack and nice package. And the uh, Nazi team yes. ability with hero clicks. Poison. No. <laughs> Crossing the line. Um, this week we're gonna get into a lot of things. Um, we're going to talk about the thing that entertains us the most. We're going to go into the movie Constantine. And after that, we're going to tell a little stories here and there. Uh, we'll discuss a deck list that Sam brought us. And lots of magic topics this week. It's been a yeah. very active week in magic. PT Amsterdam just concluded. and We got spoilers. We got the PAX party. Yeah. Uh, Hall of Fame was, was announced. Yep. Lots of good magic junk. Absolutely. Alright, so let's get right into it. I'm Josh. Hey, I'm Sam. I'm Grape Flavored. Uh, and my, if you guys have been paying attention to uh, Facebook or Twitter, you'll know that Clarence is going to be gone for the next four to six weeks, uh, unless we can get him to Skype in or something. We've been talking to him about it. He's working a lot of hours stuck in Bonham, Texas, Bonham, Texas so wish him a lot of luck in getting back before states uh, on October 9th. We're really hoping he can make it back for that. Bonham, so, Texas's population is 9,000 people. And Clarence has had sex with half of them already. So uh, hot. <laughs> so sitting in, we, we were going to have uh, uh, for the next couple weeks, as long as they're okay with it, we're going to keep these two guys on until Clarence gets back, and then we'll try some uh, something else on our Your favorite hits from the past? Well, we got to my left. I have Tim. I was orange flavored last time. <laughs> yeah, Tim. You, you know, love him. He's been on a couple of times, and then of course from episode number Those. two. The return of Mr. Matt DePlissy. What's up, bitches? I know we've talked about him in almost every episode since, and uh, finally we have him back, and he's mostly dressed this time, so... That'll change. <laughs> it's the night is young. It's early. <laughs> there is a hookah here. There is. <laughs> saying. We've already talked about it. <laughs> yeah, the like, tobacco uh, hookah. When you hear the sound, will you give us the, the sound real quick? I know, I was like, can I do this That means right it's now? time to turn the page. <laughs> Very nice. Like it. <laughs> uh, and also, just by happenstance, uh, Candace's return. Oh, yeah. I don't know how long she's going to be here, but you might hear her pipe in here and there. It's like an orgy <laughs> She was going to try to stay right quiet, now. but... What? It's like an orgy podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast we're orgy. We're dreaming about is. I want out. <laughs> Wait. Don't be such a prude, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> we can hold the video camera. Uh, all right. So the roast of David Hasselhoff is actually my entertainment for this week. That's really strange that you brought it. Oh, that's your pick? Yeah, because I caught it just on Comedy Central. Um, I think it was Tuesday night after I got home from work, and it was the unedited version, so they were able to drop the album uh, and stuff like that. It was amazing. Yeah, I and honestly, I think my favorite part was when the Hoff got up there and was able to <laughs> fight back. You know, they were all good, and actually the... The heavy set blonde chick. What was her name? Um, Lisa. Lisa Lampanelli. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. Bitch. I kept thinking Liza Minnelli. So dirty. Like some of the stuff that came out of her mouth. I'm like, wow. How many <laughs> sailors has she fucked? <laughs> Not enough. Did she talk about her black boyfriend? It's, yeah, you can't, can't get her to shut up about that, right? Some yeah. other people did. <laughs> did they really? They yes. talked about her black boyfriend because she didn't shut up about him. I want to see her roast. 
Yeah, she'll have <laughs> that would be coming. nice. And uh, yeah, I don't know. David Hasselhoff, they teased them a lot about Baywatch. They, you know, and they teased them a lot about Knight Rider and <laughs> his singing career, his German singing career. Oh, that, that's like the one thing I can think <laughs> of that would have been fun to rip on him about. Hamburger well, I mean, video. What else is there? Yeah, you know, they, they really yeah. love him. Yeah, they talked to him about the hamburger video. They really um, love him. Do I guess I don't. That? I guess I don't. He was like so fucked <laughs> up. He was on the floor eating this hamburger off the floor, and his daughter's recording. Was it like Jerry O'Connell off of Body Shots? Worse. Really? No, it was bad. Like, posts all over the internet. Like, he lost yeah. visitation rights for a while. Like, they went to court <laughs> over this video. Didn't he, like, Can you still scream find obscenities at the yes. end? Mm-hmm. Are you like, going to find a really, really cursed yeah, at her? Yeah. It was really bad, like... Pamela like Anderson was also on the roast. And uh, a joke that was brought up is, like, when she got up there, she was really good, too. Especially, I mean, you don't think... Pam of, Anderson? Yeah, you don't think of her as, like, like a clever chick, but she was <laughs> up there... Well, she paid someone to write those jokes for her, and she practiced them for a couple of weeks. You know, right, she got her right. She nailed it. She nailed the delivery. Let me put it like that. Nice. Oh, sound like it was happy. One of them is, like, she said, this is the second time in my career that I'm on the same show as David. And it's also the second time in my career where I showed up, David, in a show that I was in with him. That <laughs> 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 was great. Yes. There's a lot of stuff, even... Huh further. Go ahead, man. You watched it, too. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, my favorite jokes were the really inappropriate ones, Such like as. Gilbert Gottfried basically talking of about course. how, uh, you know, the, they, was it, they... <laughs> Spit it out already. <laughs> basically how the Holocaust that didn't really happen. Then <laughs> um, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but talking about how David Hasselhoff and uh, Robert F. Kennedy's careers both ended on the floor of hotels. <laughs> and how his, uh, his, let's see, his liver's so uh, dead and black. If you put your ear next to it, you can hear it say, "What you talking about, Willis?" <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. That's like, those are all a good fun. <laughs> all a good fun. Absolutely. So that was that your pick for this week, or did you have something else for no, us? No, I had something else. Lay it on it, man. Let's, let's see. Most entertaining this week, I bought a a CD, an album. What? People still do that? I do that. I do that. What do you do with that? Listen to it. Look at the pictures. Most of the people I like are like artists on independent labels, so I feel like I need to support them with their money. Okay. So therefore that's that's why I buy the albums of the people I really like. I bought Swingsy. Obviously maybe not this particular band you're talking about, but uh can't most of those be found on iTunes as well? Can't you do it that way? That's, yes, uh, I that, did. that's supporting them as well as also. Yes. yes. What did and you, I have I have downloaded some of their tracks on online as well. So did but, you take the CD and rip it to your iTunes? I've not done that as of yet. Okay, but, but you attempted. I'm going to. Okay. Yes. And uh, it's called. It's by Buck Sixty Five. I don't know if any of oh, you guys yeah. have heard of him. He's friggin' amazing. No. He's, he's a Canadian of, MC producer DJ, and his his style is just really crazy. And weird, it's like rap and folk, a little bit of country going on. It's kind of like a little like, Beckish almost. Okay, it's it's, right, it's very cool. I like Beck. Um, let's see. Okay, it's you said Josh will listen to this one song, so you you'll like him. What song would that be? So that like these people can our listeners can go check it out. They can stop listening to us and put all music. Yep, not necessarily <laughs> his best song, but like a, a song that'll like epitomize him. Wow. Um, let's say Wicked and Weird by okay. by Buck Sixty Five. I really like this. Go check it out. Check it out, folks. Wicked and Weird. Sam. Uh, well, I I didn't really watch much outside of crap that I always talk about this week. 
with the exception of I found the old 1994 cartoon series of Fantastic Four, and I watched a good chunk of that. It was entertaining. And then I watched the uh, Top 8 on uh, Pro Tour Amsterdam, but that, that has to be my pick. <laughs> And your wife laughs at you next. Yeah, because she <laughs> didn't, didn't you just like play magic? Like when I asked about this question, you were the one that answered the question and told me that it couldn't be about magic or hero clicks or yeah. stuff like that. And then you just now answer with magic. He, he talked about it rules. last time yeah. I was out here too. Uh, did I say that to you? Yes, yes you did. Apparently, idea. it's cool for you I to think it was being break the rules, but everybody else can't. So. I did. Oh, whatever, I Sam. I did say dead. that. Oh well. Uh, it's not really dickish. It's just really lame. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Paul Hogan and Brian David Marshall. Oh, are, you're are still going to do it though. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's going to keep going on it. Yeah. Like we just we you just have to wait until you on this. Do you have okay. nothing else? I, I will save it for then. Um, what about when you shaved the uh, swastika into your beard earlier? <laughs> that was entertaining, right? That was just gonna. I was gonna upload that to picture with our show notes. Uh, so but, you know, you just lost out. the four Jews that you had. <laughs> oh no, no, we lost those a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one, about six minutes in, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay, I will. I will. I will talk about Top that eight. later. Louie, you can tell him about Louie. Oh, it was amazing this There wasn't an a- amazing episode of Louie this oh, week, and amazing. I think I can tell the story pretty great. It redeemed itself. This episode was entitled, uh, Dentist slash, what happened later? It was the black girl's name. She had a crazy name. Uh, Tyrese. Tyrese. What is Yeah, Louis. it was like Tyrese. Tyrese. Louie, okay, what is Louie? Louie is a show that comes on FX. It's all, it's all around, about the life of... Stand-up comedian Louis C.K. Louis C.K. has been a stand-up comedian uh, for about 15 years now. A lot of people know him. He's just like an... Oh, he looks like a <laughs> four-year-old Josh with a beard and a lot less hair. Josh has... No, it's good time. <laughs> it's working. It's funny because it's, it's true. It's like Jerry Seinfeld, raunchy, raunchy, don't go there comedy. Oh, it, make Jerry Seinfeld good. But like he, it shows, it shows like a clip. I hate Jerry. It starts off with him doing stand up. Yeah, and then, and then it, it goes, goes into, into the the uh, humor. He used of the show. to have a show like on HBO. He had he used to have a show on HBO. Okay. That, it was I, called I watched OCK. that and I thought it was funny, but I haven't seen the new one. I don't know it's, what happened to that show. I haven't done any research have yet. Have you ever watched that? No. We should look into that. Yes, we should. I forgot. Someone told me the other day he had a show. He used to have a show at HBO. Anyways, <laughs> this episode was entitled Dennis Slash Tyrese, and it starts off uh, with him sitting in the dentist's office, and he's looking like someone who's act- he's actually in the chair waiting on the dentist. And he looks like someone who's in the chair waiting on the dentist, you know, he's really nervous. And the dentist comes in, and he's like, hello. And he's like, oh, oh, hey, you know, he kind of jumps in, and, and the dentist is like, oh, I see, you're, you're, you're a dentist-phobe, aren't you? And he's like, dentist-phobe. And he's like, he's like, yeah, actually, that's why I came to you, my friend. Uh, recommended you, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm used to you, you, the type and everything, I know the type, and he's like, yeah, he said you were really good, so, uh, he's hoping to help out the whole time, Dennis comes in, he looks like child molester A, <laughs> you know, he, he's got scary. the, he's got the scary hair, the, fa- the patchy facial hair, the big, big glasses, he's incredibly overweight, uh, 
and so he's just he's just scary looking from the beginning. And he get, gets right up in his chair and he gets right next to Louis' face as he's talking to him. And he's like, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And he, the whole time. So yeah, just like touching his face and everything. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm really good with the dinophobes and everything. And he's like, well, let me see you. Let me see what we're dealing with here. And Louis opens his mouth and he taps on his teeth and everything. Louis's like, I just can't stand it. And I, can't, and I just can't do this. And so he's like, okay, I got just a thing for you. So he takes a one little white pill out of his front pocket and pops it in Louis's mouth and makes him chew it up and everything. Louis just takes it, like, you know, suddenly this is my dentist, you know, whatever, and chews it up. And uh, as well, he's like, don't you guys usually use gas? And he's like, oh, don't you worry. We're going to use gas. I'm going to give you more gas than I've given anyone else. And he puts a thing over his face and just cranks that thing on. And and you could just see Louie immediately go from looking normal to just completely effed up. Like his eyes roll back in his head and they turn red as hell. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And, and the dentist is like, yeah, that's it. Deep breath, deep breath. And then suddenly Louie pops up. He's in the desert. And there's all these like Arabian people. There's like five of them sitting in a row. And uh, and they're he came. Arabian, they're Islamic. Islamic, Islamic whatever. Islamic. And he walks up and he's like, he's like, hey, hey, you're Osama Did bin Laden, aren't you? It's just funny. Nothing <laughs> wrong, but maybe it's a little wrong. Yeah. It's still funny. And he's like, yes, yes, welcome, welcome, my child, welcome yeah. to the land of enlightenment. And he's like, wow, Osama, what are you, what are you doing out here? And he's like, here we are the closest to God as we can be. We are God's best we, we men. Are, we are God's best men, his chosen people. Uh, he had put us here on a mission to like cleanse the earth. To uh, take people from their husk. To, to, yeah, take people from their husk and to, to, to pu- you know, basically putrefy or whatever. And, uh, purify. Purify. And, uh, and he's like, and, and, and Lou is just like, Really? It, that's that's what your that's what that's your explanation for the nine eleven no. the plane attacks or whatever just and uh, and he's like he's like well yeah and he's like well really people view you as kind of an asshole for that you know you kind of <laughs> you kind of suck kidding, that's really not the way to go about this and and Osama was just like really huh so people think I'm an asshole and he's like yeah dude that that's really messed up. No one's ever told me that before. And Louis's like, wow, did I really just talk you out of being a terrorist? <laughs> and Osama just kind of looks, shakes his head, and gets a tear in his eye, and all the people around him start patting his back and everything. And then, bam, the dentist, appe- the dentist appears next to Louis. And, and he's got a banana in his hand. And, and, and Louis's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, I brought you a snack. Now I want you to eat it. And he starts putting the banana towards his mouth. He's like, don't you need to take the pill off? He's like, no, no, you got to eat the pill. It's really good for oh. you. And then he puts it in Louie's mouth. He's like, no, no, don't bite down. you got to oh, just put God. it in. He just kind of <laughs> puts it in his mouth and wiggles it around. And then he starts, you know, doing the motion and everything. And then suddenly Louie wakes up. <laughs> and you're back in the dentist's office. And the dentist, and Louie doesn't see this, but the dentist jumps up. And turns around, he's all fixing the zipper and everything, and Louis's like, hey, hey, what's going on? And then, then the, the dentist is halfway out the door by this point, he's like, oh, we're done here, you're good, you're all good, I'll see you later now. And Louis's like, are you sure? Okay. And the dentist was gone, he's like, oh, well, that went well. Kind of shakes, nods his head, and walks off. And so, great show. Uh, the the uh, the past few ep- the the first like five episodes of the show were great. It's on like episode nine, and then I had like a, the, a couple episodes that I've made me almost stop watching the show. But then this one came on, and it was just beautifully wonderful, and I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, and just an update, Candace left halfway through there. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, what did entertain you this week? Uh, Netflix. Um, just in general? I tried. I want to try. Let's see if page. I can watch every <laughs> movie on Netflix. But um, I've been going back and watching all the old South Park. Awesome. And I forgot just how good that show was when it, it really first. Was. I mean, it's still probably good. I started all the way back at episode one, you know, season one, and I just didn't realize how much happened in the first season. How many of the catchphrases like "beefcake" and "big gay owl" and all this stuff, and Mr. Hanky's in there by the end of it, and so I was just watching it. And it was uh, the last one I watched was uh, <coughs> season three. Uh, Two gay guys in a hot tub or whatever. The ATF surrounds the house because they're at the party, and Stan's dad and they, jack off and they, they jack watch each other jack off or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Then, then they don't want to talk oh, about it, yeah, but it's the party. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to break out. The ATF is just shooting people when they come out. It's it's and nobody wants to go out. And, right, and Butters the, is trying to get in. And tell them. Butters trying to save everybody. Yeah. This is probably the first time I'm watching. This is the first that has Butters really doing yeah. something. Uh, so, and I love Butters. They always the later episodes. I may take that season four of South Park is the best season. So okay, uh, you're in for a treat. I don't know. I've watched them all. I have most of them on DVD. I've watched too much South Park. You can like watch them all on when Netflix. it first came out. I watched the first few seasons, probably the first three, and then I kind of stopped watching for a long time. And now I'll catch reruns every once in a while, and I watch. I don't get out of my way to watch it though. Yeah, I understand. And it's I even do. better when you catch reruns because like eighty percent of the time you probably haven't seen it, right? Yep. So it's yeah. like brand new to you. It's it's weird. Like I really like it, and every time I watch it, I think it's funny and I laugh. But you just just no, I don't know. There's never been a time that is the like, way it I is. Should put it on my TV or I should put it on my Netflix. Not, no, yeah, I, I don't know why. Like Sam has told me about all these shows, it really seemed interesting, and I have actually caught a couple, and I still haven't done anything about. It. <laughs> South Park is so great. I could do a whole episode of Raiders just talking about South Park moments. Yeah. I'd like Tim just come to buy that'd be really great to mention, but <laughs> I just told a very long story. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, you started off with you, so I guess we're done with that topic. Yeah, let's move on to uh, Constantine, which was the movie of the week. Good yeah, movie. Yeah, great movie. Clarence picked it, he couldn't be here, but with the pee Can you grab a dice real quick? Somebody? Just real quick, did everybody watch it? I, I, yes. I actually didn't watch it this week. I, just went. I owned it, and I watched it a lot, and I just watched it tonight, too, as a refresher before I came over here. Cool beans. Sweet deal. Uh, you two roll. Whoever wins gets to decide the movie for next week. You're in trouble, buddy. Something oh. good, but kind of obscure. Oh, ouch. I have oh, troll and troll 2 inside. Oh. Right. What are we watching, Seth? Well, just all straight up, got to pick it well, now. No, I, we can talk about Constantine. About okay, Constantine. give me a, Yeah, let me float that. That's... I had one that came straight to my mind, though, right there. If you had a big troll, too, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. So, we'll get get right into Constantine. Constantine was, I'll replace Clarence's little fact thing. Um, Did you do some research for him? Because I did it. I thought about it, but I did it. All right, it's made by Warner Brothers, directed by uh, Francis Lawrence and Gilbert Adler. I'm not, I'm sorry, just Francis Lawrence. And uh, it's based off the Hellblazer comic book made by Vertigo, and it ran, I think it's still running, actually. Yes, it is. And um, it's really great. Uh, John Constantine made his first appearance in comics in Swamp Thing. Some, I was trying to get the number. It's like 30? That just has the information no, it's on like top of his 70s, head. I think. I, oh, I actually saw Alan Moore. Alan Moore created the character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do know that, like, after I saw in theater, I liked the movie so much, I went online and I bought the first appearance of Constantine and 
Which, at, like, you know, that's the worst time to buy it because the movie is <laughs> yeah. super popular. So I spent about $15 more than I didn't need to, but it's whatever. Um, let's see, it was made in 2005. Um, Keanu Reeves, you know, first thing, first time doing any kind of comic book adaptation. Um, Sam's best friend, Keanu Reeves, is what I should say. Oh, Shia I'll get to my Keanu Reeves right. Don't worry. Shia LaBeouf was, uh... Well, that, was a, that was a surprise. I forgot about yeah. him being in it. That was his second movie after... What was his Disney Channel thing? Even, Even Stevens. 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 He did Holes for Disney as well. Um, That's a big Shia LaBeouf fan. Absolutely. Lies. And there's some there's some cool little characters. Uh, Tilda Swinton, who was in Michael Clayton, uh, she got nominated at least... I can't remember. She might have won Academy Award. For that that part, and then uh, Digimon Hanso. I'm totally mispronouncing. It, I'm sure, but uh, Digimon like the digital monsters. Digimon, Digimon, digital but, monsters. But uh, he's uh, a prop of midnight, and uh, oh, he oh, is I thought you were diamonds. saying Tilda Swinton was in he, some sort of Digimon. He is yeah, pretty hot. <laughs> he's in the one with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you just say Blood he's pretty Blood hot. Diamond. No, I mean he's pretty popular. He's oh, yeah, that's what you mean. I say hot. He's, he's an attractive ebony man. <laughs> sure, he's a beautiful delicate. You said Papa Midnight. That's <laughs> you can't be a Papa. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Constantine is. Uh, I don't know. Um, help me out here. We're talking about plot. Tell me about who he is. Jim, I know well, you real quick, when I went in to get the movie, at first the guy told me action. I went there. It's not an action. It's sure. horror. Okay. And I was surprised to find that they in which. After watching, I watched it with my wife. And um, but John Constantine, when you watch the movie, they don't give you too lot of background. You really, really don't. The movie. When you get into the movie, you find out that if you were at the beginning of the movie, you know he understands paranoia because they have the Exorcist scene with the uh, right the, the, top, yeah. the soldier demon inside the little girl. But other than that, you know that there's because the priest talks to him. You know he's got kind of a network of people. That yeah. he understands the paranoia. He's like got, there's circles that are ran and outside. Right, the, the angels mm-hmm. and the demons, and he's got connections on both sides. And really, on in the movie, you find out he's trying to earn his way into heaven. Yeah. You're not sure why yet, but you know he's trying to earn his way in. And well, so he's a man on a mission. I don't know that he's actually. Yeah, I guess he kind of is. Yeah, that, he doesn't do it necessarily for the right reasons. That's the thing. Like, he's see, doing I, a good deed, but I, I don't. I don't think he was ever trying to earn his way in heaven. I think the point was he felt that he was entitled to get into heaven. And that was that was part of the, one of the big well, reasons why he wasn't going to. In the discussion later, he actually brings up that, you know, uh, you believe in heaven, yes, but you believe in it because you've seen it and you don't believe by faith. And so you know right. it's true, so you don't have a choice but to believe it. So it's all about finding his faith. Right. Ultimately, yes. It's not really about getting into heaven as much as just doing enough. Yes, very. It's a very Catholic background That's as far as religion. goes. So right off the top of the movie, it starts off showing him he gets called in because there's a little girl who's possessed right. by the soldier demon, and and it shows him. It starts off and said, this, "This is what I really liked about the movie." It starts off immediately, hit the ground running. You know, great you got the action, great opening. So many movies, bam. Yes, right <laughs> so many movies. You know that 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 start that way, and then they, they end yeah. up being good and just going on. But what I really didn't like about this movie, I felt after that, it just came to a screeching halt. And it was just so slow and choppy from then out. Like it, it actually, like the, it took me. Like when I originally watched this movie when it came out, it took me two or three <laughs> attempts to get through it because of this pace issue. Because I'd watch it late at night and fall asleep. Matt's a big fan of this movie. I am a huge fan too. Are you too? You know, we, we did favorite comic book adaptation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that now that you mention it. 
I don't think there's really a pacing issue at all. I think that that first original thing is to kind of bring you into bring you into the, the, world, the world, bring yeah. you up to what's going on. And it was and really then, cool. And then the pacing just kind of slowly builds up from there. I don't right. think it, 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 it drops just, off. It really it drops off and does it does build up from there because when you get to that end scene, it's amazing. Well, it's like the dude told Tim it's not an action movie. It's a, it's a horror, horror movie. movie. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe, my maybe that's my problem. watched it with me, very Catholic, and, I, and at first she was, she doesn't like watching those movies. She's afraid they're going to like, kind of like step that's on what, traditions. And actually uh, the movie stays pretty true to a lot of the doctrine behind the yeah the dogma of it the whole idea that they have behind the, the fight between angels and yeah. demons so I something we haven't brought up yet is that he's a chain smoker yeah. yes huge chain smoker and uh, we're saying this like you haven't watched it but that's just in case somebody hasn't watched it you know and uh, just so you know <laughs> we're going over some of our favorite parts and the reasons uh, Keanu Reeves exactly he, favorite part I Easy. thought Okay. Just, <laughs> I, I was just gonna. I was just gonna comment on Keanu Reeves. Go ahead. If, I, I was just gonna say I don't really care for him as an actor or anything, but I th- I think he kind of fit the role well. He was very um, flippant and aloof almost, like Keanu Reeves is, which fit his character in the movie very well. You got to play Keanu Reeves. Yeah. There you go. I guess I've never read any Hellblazer books. I'm not familiar with John Constantine as a convict character. So if he did do the character well, then pops. Yeah. I, I wasn't even straight. talking about as as a character because I I didn't really read a lot of the comic books either, which is one of the reasons I might have liked it so well. But I, I just felt that in that character in the movie for his attitude and everything, I thought Keanu Reeves did. I still think his well. best performance was as Ted and Bill and Ted. Absolutely, his best performance. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Hands down, he should have just done that that He's role forever. They should just made fifteen of those movies. But in this movie, he does well. Well, to get onto the plot, um, the Spear of Destiny um, is found in some ruins of. It's in Mexico. Is it? Is it Mexico? Is a kid yeah. steps to the thing, and because the, they yeah. they're doing the whole thing that Nazi Germany tried to get Mexico to declare war on the United States mm-hmm. in World yeah. War Two, and that there were Nazis fleeing to Mexico. That's the whole. Okay, his so, story, so that's history how, behind it, trying to get it right. To there. So the Spear of Destiny is actually the same Spear of Destiny that's used in the movie Hellboy. The exact same prop. It's the crucifixion. I did not know that. Yeah. That's that's well, awesome. It's, it's the same, you know, same universe. universe so yeah, that makes sense. Coincides. Um, anyway, so the Spear of Destiny is going to be used to transfer the essence of the Son of Satan into our world. Because he needs the blood right. of Christ, right? Yeah. He needs the blood of Christ, which is still left on the spear. Which is the spear of destiny, by the way, is the uh, the final spear that was stabbed into Jesus' side when blood and water flew after he was crucified, like the uh, the actual killing blow of Jesus. Roman. And what verse was that? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's probably sad. in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, I'm not kidding. All four books will tell the no, story. No, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> will. Well, I think only two or three <laughs> describe the crucifixion. Okay. Anyway, um. <laughs> that would be Word great man. if someone would have knew that. <laughs> On this podcast. <laughs> First Thessalonians. Chapter 6. <laughs> verse 18. Oh, boy. Oh, the anyway, so Constantine gets word of this, and uh, the soldier demons, the tip-off, the one that he exercises, and that he was trying to get into the real world, and he was almost able to. Actually, he had no idea. He knew something was up. Yeah, yeah I kind of liked the whole the like he was getting moved towards it. Like he felt like you know they kept saying God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just might not like it, and so he got because the girl comes into play. 
And by accident, they keep bumping that, into each other. That that was one thing I didn't really like about the movie. Not the girl herself, but like towards the last, maybe fourth of it, they try to like half-ass kind of romantic thing. Like she was wanting to kiss but they him. They never and did. I, I know, but I was like, where is this even coming from? It threw me off. Well, it's a movie. It just threw me when off. you got it, when you got a lead male and a lead female, there's got to be some it's, sort of romantic underlying. There doesn't it. have to. There should be some kind of sexual tension. I mean, even with X Files, man, they had to do it. Come on. Well, that's that's a different story. No, no, we're talking the same goddamn. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same. It's the same concept, though. There's got to be. There's got to be some sexual tension there to to some degree. Professionals working together. It's something that's emotional and uh, extraordinary. Yeah, brings you together. Anyway. Best, let's, well, let's just because we all fuck each other doesn't mean... <laughs> yes, it does. That's exactly <laughs> what it means. <laughs> but she did survive a uh, life and death situation because of him. Let's situation. talk about her favorite parts real quick, and we'll wrap up the costume team. Um, when he comes into the room and um, has his gun and he shoots the demon and he's going to bless him, he keeps giving him his last rites before he's going to send the demon back, convincing him that because he's giving him his last he's rites, like, he's going to send him to heaven. That's Gavin Rosdell, by the way, lead singer Bush. Yeah, I yeah. knew that. Yeah, like, because I didn't, I didn't know. There. But I was like, that was pretty cool because I guess if you were a demon, you'd be pretty afraid of that word. Yeah, because you're going to end up in heaven. The way Constantine starts is he hits the, the dragon's breath and it, it burns him, and he comes in. He's like, Fire, I was born of this, you know? And he's like, What are you going to do? Kill me, Constantine? I'll go to hell. I'll come right back. And he's like, Actually, I'm going to you know, forgive you of your sins, and you'll go straight up to heaven. See, I, I thought that was funny because that's why. Constantine was so didn't want to go to hell because like when he said he was like well what would you do if you're going to a prison where half the inmates were there because of you <laughs> yeah. nice yeah forgot about that line yep um, I thought that was pretty cool Sam what's your favorite part man uh when uh when Silent Bob hits Osriel with the, the the golf club and it smashes him and he's like but I'm a fucking demon um What's your favorite part in Constantine? Oh, yes. Did you see me not laughing? Right the, come on, it was a scene from Dogma. I thought it was yeah. great. It, it was very much like the Constantine movie. <laughs> I don't know, like I said, I, uh, the uh, very the very, the opening scene I was really impressed with. I could, I've watched that scene many a times. And, uh, <coughs> and then at the uh, very end, where the angel Gabriel, I'm trying to remember, uh... Yes. Did you watch this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it it was like a week ago though. Uh, I. So your favorite part is he always calls calls him Lou. Yeah, he does always call him Lou. Yeah, the devil Lou. That's that was pretty great. Uh, I know I should have wrote it down. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is uh, good, man. Jump in, man. Yeah, good. Um, my favorite part. I don't know if I, I have one favorite, but the part that keeps standing in my mind is where uh, he goes in to ask Papa Midnight for help, and Papa Midnight just basically electric. owns him. And yeah, the Sing Sing electric chair? Yeah, but he, he owns him and shoves his hands into his stomach, and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, people are dying, you're the only one upholding the truce and whatnot. Yeah. The only one left playing Stop by the rules. rules. Yep. So very nice. I, Okay, my favorite scene was when Shia LaBeouf dies. Oh, Easily. I, I hate Such you. a dick. Easily. Why would you say that, man? Because Tim whispered in my ear, and I thought, like, yeah, that definitely trumps 
the scene that I believe half assed for memory. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I have two. Um, it's when he, he brings his tattoos together and says, oh, it's the light I, I command you. Right after I said that, I was thinking, oh, I should have said that part. Which ties in well with right. the child above. The, the tattoo is actually um, a tattoo of the uh, hermetic symbol of the underworld. And it means something. It's uh, like Hades Gate or something like that is the actual name of the symbol. Um, and my, my second favorite scene, and actually this is my favorite scene, is after um, he finds that he can't, you know, stop the angel from, you know, killing his, you know, getting away with what he's going to get away with, he slits his own wrist. So because he, earlier in the movie it's brought up that you're the only soul that the devil is personally going to come collect. It's brought up like once or twice. Yeah. And so he, he, uh, he's knocked back into the door. He lays there, picks up some of the shattered glass, slits his own wrist, and dies in the attention of getting the uh, devil to come take his soul. And the uh, the guy that plays the devil... Does right? an awesome 15 this minutes of acting. I like him in like every movie he's in. He's I don't know his name, but... Peter Stormare is his huh. name. He's the Russian in Armageddon. It's the way he draws yeah. out the S's Isn't and he? stuff. And it's not too corny. It's just like, man, this guy is owning this. And he's wearing the, the white linen suit, but around the edges, it's like you dip them in tar. Yeah, and, yeah, like, uh, so and on his feet, too, mm-hmm. it's like tar. Mm-hmm. Just all the little touches. Yeah, the tattoos. Awesome. You see the, the spikes the, out the top. Yeah, the biker tattoos like, coming out the neck. Like flames everywhere on his yeah. body. So anyway, yeah, that's my favorite thing. Anything else you guys want to talk about on Constantine? I'll tell you a couple little fun facts about it. Uh, two things. I was really impressed with how good the graphics were, because that had to have been made. How many years? 2005. Right, it's really good. It's still up to today's standard, and I like how they portray time. That a second is yeah, the times that he goes into and hell or hell. yeah, when you're yeah. there, you're there for minutes. When sure, it's no time in our world. I really like that. Huh. I, I just really like. I'm really fascinated by the occult and stuff like that. Sure, and I just yeah. love all the occult stuff and symbology that was in it and all that. And I, I heard at one point that they were considering making a sequel, and I. I assume that never happened, but I would absolutely love to see another Constantine. I would too. I really would. Um, Wait, would you like Keanu Reeves to maintain his character? Yes, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Okay. Just because he did the first one, I would say okay. Um, Ellie, who was the demon Constantine dealt with early on, was almost completely cut from the film. Director Lawrence, uh, Francis Lawrence said that she was left on the cutting room floor because he wanted Constantine to be completely alone when he meets Angela. And Ellie was played by Michelle Monaghan. Uh, her scenes... Seen the, uh, DVD. She, she's the one I think she was the one that when the spray came on she's the one that said yep. holy water mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keanu Reeves bought a shotgun and bought the shotgun prop that he and gave it to director Francis Lawrence as a gift because he's a badass yeah the store Francis credit Lawrence, in yeah. the film was originally <laughs> the sh- I'm sorry the score credit in the film was originally only Brian Tyler but Klaus Bandel was brought and by the producers late to help with it and the language heard from the demon-possessed girl early in the uh, possession is Tagalog, the official language of the Philippines. They call it demon speak. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, what she mutters is, we are going to kill them. That's what <laughs> she says. I, I really like the, the main theme from the score to the film, too, for some reason. I thought it was really cool. Huh. That's kind of weird. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, I've noticed the score, but not enough to appreciate it, I guess. You don't hear well, that, that's Constantine for that. this week. Tim, what's next week? Um, should I punish you guys? Can you you want to name a Whatever. genre? No, no I can throw out anything. anything. We'll enjoy anything. that haven't that haven't what seen. Maybe we'll haven't seen in a long time. Maybe one or two of us haven't seen, or all three of us. The Abyss. 
Abyss. Ooh, okay, are we talking about the original Abyss, or are we talking about the director's cut, which is a completely different movie? Well, yes. I just go with director's cut, because I don't know if I've seen it. Okay. Then okay. if you're saying it like that. Really? No, like, because the original idea... Uh, remember when did an episode about the Abyss, and they talked about all these distinct differences between what, what the theatrical version and the director's cut, and how the director's cut was an entirely different movie. Like in the original, in the original cut, there was like no aliens or anything. It was just them being stuck down there getting out. But like, the, really, there was this whole the whole story was all about like these alien ship was wrecked down there, and they were like trying to invade the ship. So hey, hey, thanks for ruining the movie for me. Yeah, so, I mean, thanks. Man. Never mind. No, I, that, that was the, that was the basic premise. That. that was all. Yeah, there's it's so been much a while more to it. I've watched this movie. It's I, been since I was a kid. I, was just so, I had my wife. That excites me. I don't think she liked it at all. So next week we're going to talk about the abyss. Watch uh, both versions if you can. Shit. We're going to move right into Fact or Fiction. And Fact or Fiction, we're all going to tell the story. And after the stories are told, the other three of us are going to declare if it's Fact or Fiction. And then we'll discover the truth. I want to place something out right here real quick. Sure. Matt's wearing an MC Chris shirt. Yeah. Did you guys notice this? It's really cool. Uh, MC Chris, uh, I don't know, in the last two episodes of Smodcast, if you have you heard the last two episodes, Josh? Kevin Smith has a new intro, his new opening music. He got it because on the uh, Tell Him Steve Dave podcast, they had their own intro made by someone famous, and it was really neat. He was so impressed with it. MC Chris volunteered to make an intro for him, and it is, it's so cool. And it's like, if you all want a podcast, here's a small cast. Got my boy Scott Moe in the... And it's, just, it's amazing. I, I can't do MC Chris, but if you know MC Chris, he does... Uh, he, he did uh, the... the Voices on Aqu- not the <laughs> voices Aquatina Aquatina Aqua Force for MCP pants. Okay, Mister Loin, Loin. So like that's that's what I think majority of people would know him from. So it's really great. Okay, props, Matt. Thank you. I, I got it from seeing him live in concert. That's amazing. He was very awesome live. Was if he, anyone gets a chance, I go see him very affordably priced tickets as well. Sweet, probably very personable yeah. guy. I imagine MCs. You know, I mean. All right. So <laughs> about twelve years ago, I uh, I worked at a restaurant and I was a server there. And what restaurant? The Emerald Sea Girl. Okay. And a couple of friends of mine that worked there, we went to Wichita and we were going to go drinking. And uh, we went to their Emerald Sea Girl that they had there. And um, so we go in, we took my car, we go in and we sit down at a booth. And it's like there's a wall lined with booths, and on the other side of the wall, there's also <coughs> booths. And we sit down, and the waiter comes, and we do our thing. And after about three or four drinks in, and a shot or two, I'm good. I got a nice buzz going. And I look over at Kevin and Anita, and I say, in my car, I've got my work uniform from, you know, last night. I hadn't taken it out yet, because it was all yucky and everything, and I changed clothes. And um, I said, I'm going to be right back, okay? And so I go, and I get my work uniform. I go into the bathroom there at the Emerald Mesquite Room, and I put it on. <coughs> um... And I go and sit back down in my booth. And it's the next table that gets sat on the opposite side of the wall in one of those booths. I go over to the service station, grab the silverware, and go greet them. Acting like I'm working there. I take the complete order, get them their drinks, and let them know my name is Stan, and I'll be their server tonight. I go back in the bathroom, change my clothes, and go sit down. (laughs) (laughs) In my broke booth, and I, I have a couple more drinks. And it's about 15 minutes later... When, when they're like, excuse me, we haven't seen our server in like 15 minutes. And they, they stopped one of the workers to say that. And they're like, well, who is it? And he said, they're like, he said, his name is Stan. Like, we don't have a Stan here. 
<laughs> like, what do you look like? Oh, uh, it's a tall guy with red hair. And we don't have anybody here that, with red hair. <coughs> and so, this... <coughs> they've got silverware, and, like, they've obviously been greeting. And it's just, uh, it's crazy, and they get more and more upset. And eventually the manager comes out, like, well, I don't know what happened. I don't know who it was. Well, we'll take care of your food. And it was just amazing, because we're over here, like, just, like, trying not to burst out laughing, drinking our drinks, and every time something gets a, more, a little more escalated, we're a little worried, because our where our booth was is on the way to the bathroom. But when I came back, I chose to sit, like, in the back corner so that they can't see me, walking in the direction they would have to walk. So, but it never happened. They eventually got good service and whatever. They got free food out of it, so, you know, I don't know why. Good deed. You just right? incited chaos. Nice. Absolutely. I gotcha. So, fact or fiction? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say fact. I want to say facts just because of the simplicity of the story, but since I never heard it before, it's all new information to me. And I think I like to think I know you pretty well. I'm going to say fiction. You're metagaming right now, Sam. That's true. Um, fact. Sam's right, it's fiction. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. And, and I thought that's the complete setup that I've, I've had in my mind, and I've just never done it. I... Like, I wanted to start asking you questions right off the bat, and I was like, wait a second. I don't know, it could have been possible. You went up to Wichita. Yeah, yeah, that, I made it very possible. Not, yeah, so, very nice. Tim, tell us story, man. A couple months ago, um, my brother-in-law, Jeremy, and I, we were going to go fishing, and he came over to my house, and we got all our gear in the truck, and we go online because we're going to go to the crappie house on Ponca Lake. And I don't know if you know this, but... It has all the weather for Ponca Lake and the camp. There's cameras out there that you can, oh, you can click on and view the sure. the crappie house to see if people are catching fish or not. So we pull it up on the site, and there's two people in there. And we're like, oh, it's not that busy. But we're still going to go out. And then we're looking at it, and it's a guy and a girl. And he's, like, talking to her and getting real close to her and stuff. And she puts her on the... The rail that we fish off of, and you can see them start oh, making like out. We're going. like, no way. <laughs> We're like, there is no way that this is going to happen. And so we watch a little longer, and the shirts are getting opened up, and, and then he turns her around, and the pants come down. And for the most part, they keep most of their clothes on, so it's not a whole lot you can it's see. It's not like watching a porn. Yeah, you know what's oh, going it's on exactly here. Like watching a porn. And, and we're like, oh man, they can't be that old. We can't keep watching this, so we stop watching. We're like, we're still gonna go fishing. It's a sting. <laughs> we're like, we can't, we can't watch two people do this. So we drive out the pump of lake. But when we got there, they they were dumb, but they were still in there. That's so they awesome. were still in we're there. Like, <laughs> so we walk in and, and um, we stand there for a minute. And Jeremy, we get ready, and Jeremy goes, um, um, "Excuse me, guys. you all do know that there's cameras in here." And he points at them both, and he was the one that. Like, got this look, mortified look, knowing that... <laughs> Holy crap. Because the way he said, do you know that there's cameras here, implying that we you just know, saw you've been you in here for a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, what would have been great is if you had taken Jeremy over to the same place and put him in the same position. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that you were kind of right here? Like, like Jeremy, what do you think? Do you think that's not right? Yeah, that's all right, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you guys think? Was this it? <laughs> Question. <laughs> interesting fishing trip. Go ahead. Was she hot? Mm, yeah, she was young, see. though. What was, was that? That, that was I didn't ask I was, that. She was cute. She was cute. Not hot. Cute. Okay. Okay. Uh, so how old do you, if you had to guess? On 16. both of them. 
<laughs> Both of them 16? Yeah, I think so. He just mouthed 13. <laughs> you can oh, see yeah. that. <laughs> He's holding just up seven fingers. He's <laughs> 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 not a very good counter. <laughs> He's got a real counting deficiency. But it's okay because... Well, that was our fish. It was an interesting Jewish. It's Josh Factor fiction. <laughs> fiction. Yeah, it's too good. Too good to be true. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say true. You can you say can, true. You can ask questions too. Don't oh, you can. Yeah. Why didn't you walk in there and be like, "Need a hand, sir? Done doing your shirt." <laughs> <laughs> okay, Seriously, with that much, I have room? another question. All right, how big were her boobs? That small. They were just were not the, small. But like <laughs> they, were, they were there. <laughs> big B. Okay. I'm gonna say facts. I'm gonna say facts because Tim. I'm going with fact. He, he, the this, look on his he's face, not known to tell these he got kind of a lot stories. of joy out of telling that story. Like, he's remembering his true glory. So I'm, I'm going to say. Alright, so? It's fiction. Now, but I based it's, it on reality. I, I know it sounds like this sounds almost it true. Did, it did happen, but not to me. This did happen to a guy I fished with. And, but they, you can go on there, and a lot of people have started watching more. I've heard it's happened before. That's on crazy. On City. I know where I'm going. Fuck com, next. Whatever. You go on there, <laughs> click on Ponca Lake, and push on uh, the cameras for sure. the crappie house. And you can see if anybody's out there messing around. Cool. Hot. Sam, tell us the story. Is there any, like, archives? Video <laughs> 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 yeah, archives. <laughs> you must be 18 inches, this one. <laughs> Special section. Okay. Uh, many years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, when Clarence and I lived together, uh, I wish he was here. There's so many stories come to mind that I just wish he was here. I can tell. I'm saving one for when he gets here. back. You can make backdoor fiction. I know. No. Okay. Whatever. When I lived, <laughs> when Clarence and I lived together, um, in the days of debauchery, we used to drink heavily on almost a nightly basis. There was a certain fella who uh, would impress us with his skills of um, urination. Basically, he can. Uh, we used to like measure like twenty, twenty-five feet. He would, he would put that stream out there. Seriously, like, wow. maybe not. May, that that might be exaggerating. I don't remember. It was like, impressive. I'm lucky to get six if I'm pushing. I feel like I'm gonna poop when I do. I'm telling you, it was so <laughs> impressive. Like it was like the the center center focal point of the uh, attracting of the party or whatnot. So like, the he, gatherings. If he was on elevated terrain, then he could probably piss a good thirty feet. Yeah, easy. <laughs> well. One night, uh, we were we had some guys over that weren't regulars, if you will, and we were bragging about this guy's ability, and, uh, <laughs> and they didn't really like whatever. I was like, and like one of them went outside, and he's like, he started pissing up these stairs. There's like a flight of fifteen stairs right outside our door because you lived in apartments. Because we lived in an apartments, yes, uh, and and he was like, oh, look up six stairs or whatever, you know, that's that's all right. I'm like, oh, well, we bet this guy could piss all the way up. At least 14 stairs. And so he went out and he did it. 14? Pissed up 14 stairs. And it was it was amazing. Uh, just uh, just so you guys know that this this particular fellow, his name was Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. 14, Tim. 14. Was it, was it, was it, this, was is, it? this is fiction. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> was it a 14? It was 14 stairs. You didn't make quite up that top one, right? I... I couldn't make the top. I, if I remember properly, man, this is it. It, 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 it was crazy. Is this really happened? I'd get dared to do. I this. feel like I have to pee now. Right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I've cleared a ten foot um, fan from one side to the other, and a pickup. Any truck. questions? I would like to ask. <laughs> uh, the guy that got only a couple stairs. Who was he? 
I don't. I don't particularly remember. Mm. There, there was lots of interchangeable people, like in those days. And like I said, ten years ago, in the acts of debauchery, it, yeah, not many memories outside of like the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, the, beginning, the beginnings are like the things that we did on a regular basis. Why did you decide to use the stairs as unit of measurement for the pissing? It was, it was local and convenient. It, you know, no, not really. Not really. It I was mean, right outside the door. We more people got and walked outside that door to piss right. instead of going down the hallway. Well, going why would you piss on the stairs as opposed to like around the corner? Or yeah, because they were right outside the door. It was just easier. All right. Well, I'm ready to go fact or fiction. All right. I'm gonna say fiction on a lot of it, but not all of it. I think that like Tim Kempy. I just don't think it was 14. I think maybe Tim got seven right. Mm. I'm gonna go fiction. You believe this. It's, it's total facts, dude. This guy could piss like a freaking champ. He just heard him say he, used to, he cleared like a car and a truck sitting next to each other. Come on. It really is fact. But <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do it anymore. <laughs> We'd have to drink. Smart. He'd have to like, drink really beers don't. like he did back in the day. And cl- it's... And the reason why that we use the stairs is because the bush would be too easy to clear. And then <laughs> the bad girl Jennifer lived upstairs. Yeah, so we didn't funny, like our neighbor. Funny upstairs. to piss on the stairs because <laughs> she was the door up there. You should have included that little fact. I'm sorry. Because what was it? It was Jennifer. Was it Jennifer? Yeah, you know. Like, why? Because why would you? I did not. That makes sense. I did not sleep. You didn't know that. Everyone else know that. I you did not. Know. I, I didn't either. I woke up next to her. <laughs> And that was the very first thing I asked. Uh, she sucked me off once when I passed out, but that was it. But everyone else, everyone else screwed her. She was the fat girl that was just down for whatever. Oh, crazy. <laughs> even, our, even, our, even our gay friends support her. <laughs> <laughs> that tells us really quick. All right. Well, might as well put this out there. I'd... All right. I got a lot of family that live in El Paso, Texas. I don't know if you're familiar with El Paso, Texas. It's a very large Hispanic population. No way. Not El Paso. <laughs> um... Well, like I said, I got family there. We visited there a few years ago. I was probably 23, 24 years old. And my cousin was there and my uncle and stuff. And my cousin was going out. He went to a lot of parties and whatnot there. And I didn't really... I wasn't a big partying guy, but I was down with him. He's like, hey, we're going to go to this party. Let's check it out. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we go over here, and there's a very large Hispanic population at this house party, and they got the Hispanic rap music going on, and like I Elfie feel and shit. Yeah, uh, something like that. I feel totally out of place here. You know, half of them are dressed like gangsters, like they're gonna shank me for saying the wrong thing or something, and 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 the other half are just weird looking. I don't know. So I'm just kind of standing around by myself, my cousins mingling or whatever you do with the. <laughs> People. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing. I just remembered her Mexican comments with Derek. <laughs> well, he lives there, and apparently he can speak Spanish all right, decently enough to. But I, I was just afraid to talk to anybody, honestly. And El Paso is not exactly, you know, the the nicest area. And the part of town we were in, not very gringo friendly. Uh, no, especially the part of town we were in with the bars over all the windows. You know, we're driving there, and there's like spray paint all over everything. I'm like, oh my god, what have I got myself into? <laughs> you check to make sure you're not wearing gang colors. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home and change. I'm wearing blue. No, but so we get there, and I'm just kind of hanging out by myself, and there's. You know, there's a lot of girls, and I'm like, man, I'd really like to get laid right now, but I know <coughs> Spanish, and one of their gangster boyfriends would probably stab me. So, uh, I, I noticed this other girl kind of hanging out by herself, and I've been, I've been kicking back drinks, you know, just hanging out. My cousin a little confident boosters, one at a time. Yeah, pretty soon I won't care if I get stabbed. 
But there's <laughs> 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 that. That's not bad. There was this girl live. also hanging out by herself. Whatever. So I, I, you know, she's not very good looking, really. But in my mind, that just means maybe there's a better chance Give I me can a number, hit it. Give me a number. What was it? What was she? Yeah. <laughs> On a one to ten? Yeah. Okay. Here, what here's the thing. You go off she of? could probably cook, right? <laughs> <laughs> you the, can lower the skill. The body. The body was probably about a seven. The face was. Uh, like four-ish. Two and a half. Four-ish. So, like, overall, I'm going to say, okay, the face was not probably even a four. Probably <coughs> three, so overall probably a four. Butter face? The, yeah, the face brings it down a lot for me. because, And, like I said, the body was good, but... One second. I just wanted to bring up the little thing that my, my manager at work said to me the other day, and I, I said, <laughs> a butter face, or, you know, uh, that's a bad like special. And he's like, or you can, you know, um, wrap her up in a flag and do it for your country. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know where to purchase a Mexican flag, but <laughs> for somebody's country, he's an old Navy guy. So and you know, her, her body was pretty all right. She didn't have very big boobs either, so I was kind of bummed about that. But so I go over and I start talking. To her. She's kind of weird, kind of awkward. Anyway, we're both drinking, and anyway, we end up going off in this room and we're making out and whatnot. Can you describe the room? Like brownish. It was very um, neutral. So you left the lights on. I didn't one even like the bit. color scheme in them. Was there like like crucifixes and stuff? Or was there were some of those candles. You know the stereotypical yes. candles. There are some of those. I'm pretty sure whoever had the party. I'm pretty sure it was their parents' room. It was like very neutral. Had the stereotypical things. There were some pictures hanging up of like children. So what? <laughs> it, yeah, it was. I felt a little awkward. Anyway, but we're making out on the be- ooh cookie. Thank you. <laughs> We're making out on the bed. Anyway, she ends up giving me a blowjob. So I get a blowjob, and, you know, I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to bang the chick or whatever, and she's, like, not having any of it. I'm like, you know, what's up with this? Anyway, she gives me her number. I'll, I'll call her whatever we go out. Let's, let's go hang out and have some more drinks. I'm like, all right, have Did some more. Did it really drink. suck to have to remember what noise that you made? <laughs> yes. Anyway, have a few drinks. I'll, I'll bang her here in a little bit. So I go in there. We come out of the room, and... My cousin sees me coming out of the room, and then he sees this girl coming out of the room. And uh, he comes up to me, he's like, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, you know, I'm trying just, to catch hanging out. What's he's, it look like? He's like, let's go home. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? He's like, no, let's go home right now. I was like, what? what's the deal? I'm kind of drunk, a little bit pissy about it. So I, I, I'm talking, I was like, I gotta go, whatever. And I had her number, we, you know, we left. And we're driving, he's like, dude, look the fuck did you just do? I'm like, I got a blowjob and trying to have sex and you cock blocked me. He's like, do you realize why she was sitting there by herself? It's like, no, because she wasn't that good looking? I don't know. It's like, that's not a fucking girl, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, you're fucking with me. He's like, no, that was a fucking man who dresses up like a girl and that's why no one was talking to her. That's why she's off by herself. No, you're fucking with me. You have to be fucking with me. He's, not. He's like, no, I fucking swear to God, you just did whatever with a dude. And I, to this day, I don't know if he's serious. Still claims that he's serious. Long story short, I possibly got sucked off by a man. You can't try gay. Her face did look man. Her face did look man. Okay, my first question, and I, I believe this to be true, was was this the best blowjob you ever got? No. Okay, that, I'm going to call it fiction right now, and I'll tell you why, because a guy would know how to give a blowjob, and it would be the best <laughs> blowjob you ever got. It, it it wasn't. The best blowjob I ever got was from the aforementioned Jennifer, the fat girl. It was... Well, I was really drunk. I kind of woke up to it happening. <laughs> anyway, 
Let's get back to Matt's story. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, <laughs> I don't think we can hang anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't blow you guys. I'll just let you blow me. All right. Oh. <laughs> Did she spit or swallow? Swallowed. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm gonna call fact. I'm gonna call it fact too because he answered it so freaking quickly. I thought it was so fuck. That was the first time anybody had swallowed. Like was it like an obvious swallow? She. I thought the same thing. I don't. I don't. I would never. I can't. If I was in this situation, you really fuck because I'd say I'd never do anything gay, and then you'd be like, "Ooh, <laughs> I might have done something gay and didn't know it." But when he said a, a girl or a guy would give you your best one or something, I figured a chick would probably say it out. I don't even, even the kinkiest girl I ever had sex in my life couldn't just chug it down. Like I said, that I was really excited that she fucking swallowed my cum. I was ecstatic about that. Was it the obvious swallow? Like pulled away and it's like, <laughs> do what? Was it like the obvious swallow? It was like, no, uh, it one, was one swallow, or was it like, <laughs> it was pretty solid. Like I was like, this this chick's a Sam problem. looks like a professional over here. <laughs> Milking it all to the last drop, <laughs> shaking it out and everything. Not, <laughs> not quite that disgusting. Okay. <laughs> I'd say. I'm gonna say fiction. That's a fact. That's a fact. He's a fiction. This is fictional. Okay. I promise. <laughs> I would have heard about it by now. It would have came out. I, I imagine. Yeah, I'd have told it, you. Even if you would have like got drunk with Dave one night and told Dave about this, they would have. We would <laughs> all have known. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> that would be your dude like duty to imagine tell on your friend though. Our Absolutely. local comic book store. Who says we're not going to? You know. <laughs> Our local uh, TO, when he's announcing the, the, the set settings, like where we're sitting on F&M, he like, makes up little nicknames on all. I imagine, I can see him saying, Matt sucked off by a dude just pussy in seat two, or whatever, you know, and so we would have heard about I'm it. I'm not gay, I swear. <laughs> the other guy was gay. Dude pussy. <laughs> and I think you tried to run fellatio in there, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, was that everybody? Yeah. Well, what would you do if it, that story wasn't <coughs> true for you? A lot of baths, I and showers, and scrubbing. And I, I don't it. I don't it. It would have to be many years later. No. After some therapy, no. then you own it. No, because there's at least one more which means it might get out. I mean, so I totally showed this yourself. guy who was boss because he sucked my dick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just own it. <laughs> Post op or pre op? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't uh, matter. No operation. <laughs> Just address. Move us on. Move us on. <laughs> Didn't even shave. We're going to go right into our magic concept. Um, so, if you're listening for things that are magic, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you next week. Peace.
Okay, well, this week, we, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, uh, we had the uh, Amsterdam, Pro Tour Amsterdam. And what was significant about this Pro Tour was it was the first event, um, DCI-sanctioned event for the new Extended, for our new double standard. So uh, most pros and most people, like, no one was playing it. You got on the online queues and everything were never firing because none of the pros wanted their tech out there. They like okay, you know, we all we all prepared for this and made these decks, and so it was like completely under wraps. Like went into this like you've heard us talk about the new extended and whatnot, but it was all speculation. We didn't we didn't know what was good and, or whatnot because obviously with the, uh, the top eight that we had, like these decks, one was a uh, two two builds of a Doran build that like was very similar to my Doran build that I never did talk about, but I did post it and I did talk to the Yo and GT Tap guys about. And when I thought it was very good, but they showed me some much better ways to cut in with it, like main deck Teresas and Thoughtsies. I would see that's something I wouldn't have done, and that's something they did. Um, so the the top eight for Pro Tour Amsterdam, we had Thomas Maud playing Jund, uh, Brian Kibler and Brad Nelson playing the new Treehouse build, which is that Doran build that I just mentioned. Um, Marion Leibair from uh, Belgium playing Fish. Uh, Kai Buddy and playing a version of Wileyini as well as. Oh, where'd his name go? Uh, Michael Jacobs? Yeah, he he played... Uh, no, Michael... Jacobs was not... It was Ritzel. That's right. Ritzel... I, <laughs> I thought I wrote down his first name. I don't remember. Paul. Yeah, it was Paul Ritzel. That's right. Paul Ritzel playing the uh, another a different version of White Weenie. So two versions of White Weenie in the top eight. Would you have expected that, Josh? Would you at all... For the new extended, possibly there's some. Well, why wouldn't you though? Why wouldn't you? Because why Winnie is historically bad. You no, know, no. not historically bad, but historically not tier one Recent, outside of Kit. Recently bad. Neither of these. I might throw this out here. Neither of these were Kitkin builds. That's what I'm saying. Were like, they soldiers? No, they were just weenies. Like, yeah, there was kind of a... Sol- Griffin the, they, here, there was um, no, There was no griffins. There was, like, some se- there was human soldiers. Well, let's get right into it. Don't you have the I, I have, the, I have the, 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 the first place that list that um, uh, Paul Paul Ritzel, he, the one, he ended up taking first with. Uh, but I wanted to also mention um, Kai Budi, Buddha, who has taken a, a leave of absence from Magic, but has the most decorative Magic career ever, mm-hmm. made his return. Like, he since he, he made the Hall of Fame, he has the... He, there's someone up there with him, right next to him, but right now he has the most lifetime pro, pro player points of any Magic pro player. Uh, there's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah, there's a Magic Hall of Fame has been for a long time, dude. Come on. <laughs> Idiot. God. <laughs> Get out of here, Tim. I'm sorry, guys. Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, so he may... He, he, so he can, better, he can go to any pro where he wants. This one was down the street, so he went. And he had tested with a lot of his German friends and whatnot. And it was very interesting when talking about his testing, he didn't actually play the games. He had a whole team of Germans that were playing the games for him. He just was sitting there making the decision, saying, okay, now try this, now try this. <laughs> oh that, that's, how, that's how freaking badass this guy is. He's the German juggernaut, man. Yeah, that's what he's called. Uh, so also we had uh, Michael Jacobs playing a Grixis teachings deck, and then Guillermo Takamafa, who won a Pro Tour with oh, Miss Gold. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I might not have wrote it down right. Um, who won a pro tour, his last pro tour performance with Mystical, a Mystical Teachings build when it was in standard. So he came back and decided to do a five-color control deck based around Mystical Teachings again and made top eight, but unfortunately went out in the semifinals. Bad, 
<clears throat> I didn't even really look at that list because it's not really a deck that I'm interested in. Because when you, s- you saw this board, it was all like Vivid Lands, 12 Vivid Lands out and whatnot. Yeah, I know. That's... Sam's never been a fan of the Vivid. I hate Vivid Lands. What does Vivid Lands do? It's a, it's a comes into play tap, non-basic land. There's one for every color. Vivid Marsh, Vivid Crag, Vivid Creek, and so forth. And uh, they come into play tap with two charge counters on them. And you can tap them for whatever color they're tied to. Or you can remove a charge counter tap them for one man of any color. So they basically can fuel five color decks. Like, you play nothing but those, you basically have every color available at all why, times. Why do you hate them so much? Because they come into play tapped. And, and I think there's better options. Almost always better Sam's options. Tradition- except for five colors. Sam's traditionally an aggro player, so he, when... Going over three colors is ridiculous When Vivid was popular, <laughs> he was hating it because it was also winning. I loved Anthony Mancer. When that came out, I was so giddy. <laughs> uh, so in the semifinals... Oh, and this is also the very first tournament that we had the new ruling that going into the top eight, there's no die roll for go first. It was... Uh, uh, Whoever had the better ranking, the, the better seat going into the top eight, gets the so choice. So one went first. One yeah, versus eight, two versus... Yeah, two versus seven. Yeah. If you so went in, in the bottom, you were probably going second. So very first match, in the very first round of semifinals, we had Brad Nelson, who has been just like tearing it up recently. He's had the two great GP wins, and he won the last Pro Tour, actually. The reason for the dice roll choice was well, there, it, to get people to play out the uh, last couple of rounds that a lot of people independently drawing to. It was it was a deter for, but apparently they uh, they discussed that it didn't it didn't matter to them. I think at all. I think it might eventually. Eventually, yeah. I think it's a good step in the right Is direction. Is there any reason you would go second? Yeah, there's a couple times, but not. I mean, it, it traditionally no, ninety percent of the time. Not okay. not with the current standard uh, or Whatever. even extended really. <laughs> uh, so we so Brad Nelson versus Kai Buddy, and that was the feature match in the semifinals. And we also had Kibler Brian Kibler facing against Michael Jacobs. Then we had Thomas Ma. Uh, facing uh, Paul Ritzel and LeBaire facing Aguermo. Uh That was the semifinals, and uh, Thomas Ma playing the Jund deck. He supposedly had no bad matchups in the top eight. Like everyone thought he, because Jund, like the bad matchups were all taken care of in Swiss. Like all the decks in top eight, he like Jund was favored for. Like it was supposed to destroy White Weenie. It was, was supposed to destroy anything. Of course, like, of course, the teachings, the control decks, the Grixis. It should have just taken him out, but it didn't. Uh, he ended up going losing three zero to to Paul swept. Ritzels. Yeah, he got swept three zero because they do best of five in the top eight, uh, and to to Paul Ritzel. Why do I keep forgetting his name? Because <laughs> I've never heard of this. Guy. This was his uh, first Pro Tour top eight. Um, his debut. I'm sorry. His debut. His debut. There you go. Um, then Kibler versus Jacobs. It was they went. Uh, Jacobs ended up beating him 3-2 and it was a very long game and then um, Liber Guermo it was like 3-1 uh, the fish the fish took down the five color control um, and then the Nelson Kai Buddy match ooh, it took so long usually Brad Nelson's known for his quick play like when he's playing magic he's just real quick and everything but Kai just really dominated the match like like with a pace and everything, he owned the pace. pace from beginning to end, but still barely lost in the end. Like uh, Brad Nelson took him out uh, uh, three to two. Are they timed in their semi? No, no, no. Top, eight. top eight is not timed. Okay. So, yeah. They want you to play your deck. No. It took forever. They don't want to. you to lose because of a technicality. They want you to lose because you lost. The okay. semifinals. It was it was easily almost two hours to watch. It was. It got to see. I got to see every match except for the uh, Thomas Small Ritzel match because it was over just that, like that. That means you had to watch it at what time? 
Oh yes. By the way, I, yeah. I, if in case you don't follow us on Twitter, I stayed up till three forty-five Sunday morning. I stayed, just stayed up drinking beer all night watching it, to just so I could watch it. And it actually didn't start till like four thirty-ish. There was like this fifteen-minute intro that Paul Hogan and Brian David Marshall did, and then it was nothing. I was like, ah, I have to stay up longer with no content. And then finally, the match started and. It was just wonderful. And so in the quarterfinals, we saw Brad Nelson uh, facing against... Um, uh, God, I should have wrote this out a little better. It was like second in. The uh, Marianne LeBaire. Uh, and Brad Nelson against LeBaire. And then uh, Jacobs versus Ritzel. Now, I should mention that Kibler... Brian Kibler and Brad Nelson played the same deck. Because in, uh, in testing, Nelson tested with another deck. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't important, but then he would test and he was really confident with it. And he played Brian Kibler, and Brian Kibler just demolished him with his treehouse deck, which he calls he calls the treehouse combo because it go turn one, Murmuring Bosk into Treefolk Harbinger, reveal, uh, search out Treefolk Harbinger, turn two, drop Treefolk Harbinger and Thoughtseize or whatever, and search out Doran. So turn three, you drop Doran, swing for six. <laughs> with the Harbingers because they're one green for an O3 tree folks and Murmuring Boss just fueled it it was really great so he called that the tree folk combo and everything and he was really proud of it and so like last minute Brad Nelson switched to this deck and then Kibler gets beat in the semifinals and Brad Nelson goes on to the finals with it It was so that's pretty great and then, then the deck that um, Paul Ritzel was playing it was designed by Gabe Nassif that Gabe Nassif scrubbed out in the Swiss rounds and uh, so it was Gabe Nassif's deck the white weenie deck being played by Paul Ritzel, and then Brad Nelson playing Kibler's deck. So it was it was like Kibler and Nassif, which are both Hall of Famers, you know, and everything. No, That's no, what no, it really came out to. Bad. Yeah, no, th- this top eight was amazing. That's the only reason you I'm talking about it. It's so interesting. No, 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 like before the event, he switched oh, last minute okay. before this the event. He took with them all the way through. I got you. Yeah. So. And then it was announced right before the finals that that. that both Gabriel Nassif and Brian Kibler were inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that's why it was even kind of a bigger deal that these decks were being played, but not by the, their pilots. So that, that, that's a little side humor, really, if you think about it. It's like, oh, you're so good. You made the Hall of Fame, but you can't even make the top eight with your own damn deck. What the fuck? So the fish, Nelson got the fish 3-0. Ritzel took out Jacob's uh, Grixis teaching deck 3-0. So Ritzel went undefeated into the finals in the top eight. All right, so we in the finals we have White Weenie against what? White Weenie against the Treehouse deck. Okay. I don't have a list for the Treehouse deck here, but I know it ran like the Dorans or in the Harbingers, ran Maelstrom Pulse, it ran. Uh, it was green, white, Not at the Reliquary, it ran Tarmogoyfs. Yes. Uh, almost like the uh, original Mythic build, but now you're running more of a Tree Folk package into it. Yes, it was like this whole Tree Folk <laughs> under theme. And it was it was such a great deck. It, it had like Fiends on board. Uh, the main deck dresses and thought seizes, and those were those were so key right, well, at, we'll at, at every turn. Let's see, I want to hear the list. Okay, so in the finals, it was uh, Ritzel went undefeated against Brad Nelson. Wow, he smoked yeah. everybody. Smoked Nine everybody. Out. First pro tour, first top eight, playing Gabriel, <laughs> Gabriel Nassif's deck. You know how wound up he eight. had to be, the adrenaline playing. He, he looked so cool and confident the whole time. Like, Brad Nelson is known for, like, just being joking around and just being whatever and during his events and just being so cool collected. This guy didn't seem to be phased at all by, like, all this attention. 
Like, I'm sure the stress had to be there. Imagine. Like, can you even, like, I got a top eight at FNM and I get, I get just a little butterfly, you know? <laughs> this is like Pro Tour Amsterdam. <laughs> There's like cameras on your face. Like, seriously, there was like four guys just taking pictures of them the whole time and then like video yeah, cameras this, from this every is, angle. I mean, as a Pro Tour as a whole, the top eight is not only star studded, but this is also the first extended of the year. Yeah. Uh, this is also the first time after the rotation, which was huge. And so this, this was a. a very influential top eight. This is going to probably influence Magic for the next three weeks at least, because no, no, then it rotates. Probably the next <laughs> year, year, easily least. a year. Yeah, really, yeah. really. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So right, so I, I wrote down. I went and researched, and I got uh, hit Ritzels or Gabe Nassif's. Wait, we need deck written out here. So I'm just going to mention it. Four Etherstone Canonists. I never saw him play this card once in the top eight. But I, I see why it's, you understand why it's there. It's one white, one colors for a 2-2 artifact creature. Uh, it says each player might only play one non-artifact spell a turn. So it's there to keep uh, people from getting back their vengeance lines or combos or whatever. Then four figure of destiny. When, when I'm thinking about new extended decks, uh, when I had, since it's been announced and I've thought about them, I have completely just overlooked this guy. I cannot believe I forgot about figure of destiny. The original leveler. Uh, for one one Boros, he's a uh, one one, and for one Boros, you can level him up to make him a two two at instant speed, or you can pay. And then once you reach that point, you can pay three Boros to make him a four four, and then at instant speed, and or and then you get, and then after that, you can pay six yes. the six Boros to make him an eight eight flying trample. Sam's talking about mofo. red and white when he says Boros. It's red and white. It's the red and white guild from Ravnica. Yeah, I, I was doing that scene. I figured Tim be down with the guilds. I don't you know. You don't remember? Guild. No, yeah. I do know because there was a card called. That was the name of the land, wasn't it? Yeah, there's lots of Boros Terrace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we had four uh, White of the Night Orchids, which which were key. He so many that got him out of so many spots. Like I'm going to tell you about a play here in a second where Night of the White Orchid was just key. Uh, two Ranger Vios, the, the little factor fiction of the deck. Uh, four Step Links. Four student of warfares, four brave the elements, which just they, it was their design just to be the end of the game, like get that final alpha strike through. But every time it was played by even by Kai Booty, it was it was pure defense, and it would just wreck all sorts of crap. Honor of the pure, which was the shining star of the deck, uh, like once he put two into play, it was like almost every time it was just over. Uh, two mana tide main deck, which I I was giddy about. I'm a big fan of the old four spike. And then four spectral processions, which also was a very key card in the deck. Imagine honor the pure spectral session. They go together like peanut butter and lie. Any uh, planeswalkers? No planeswalkers, dude. Not even in the sideboard. None Keep at all. Keep going. Okay, and then the lands four mesas, four mar flats, one horizon canopy, and ten planes. Oh, and four flag sounds of Tronar. Um, and then in the sideboard we had one angel's grace. I'm not sure why this card's in there, but I imagine there's probably a combo out there that it stops. It's one white instant uh, in split second. You can't lose the game. It's a combo stopper. It's also it gives you it's a buy turn. Yeah, it can it can buy you a whole turn easy. It's a great card. Don't get me wrong, but like why one of them in the sideboard is because sometimes it's a race and going first counts. And if you have that card, that gives you that next turn. That's true. I can kill him next turn. Okay, it still just doesn't. I got you this turn, like Angel's Grace. And he had three Forge Tenders, three really Forge Tenders, one Celestial Purge. One last of certainty in the sideboard. How about like that? that. I like that. Awesome. Last of certainty. Yes. 
Uh, four yeah. Relic Progenitus, which is a staple for everybody's sideboard because the Tarmogoyf and Vengevine's in, Dredge and Knight Reliquy, it's all out there. Um, and then two Rule of Laws that serve the same purpose as the Aether Swarm Canonist. Once again, I think there was probably a deck out there he was worried about with the Aether Swarm Canonist and Rule of Laws. Um, let's see, I had some other notes here. Uh... And in a round of the quarterfinals against Mike Jacobs, Paul for one in hand. No, no, this was against Brad Nelson. This was against Brad Nelson. In the finals. No, this was against Kibler in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is when I wrote this down. Paul kept a one land hand because it had two Relic of Progenitus in it and one Knight of the White Orchids. Uh, because he was facing a deck that he was getting beat, that, that his the threats on the other side were Tarmogoyf and Knight Reliquy. Because he, because he had these two relics and he, he missed two land drops, but got both relics out there and was able to activate them both and kept two Tarmogoyfs at bay at zero ones <laughs> for three turns <laughs> until he finally got that other land, got a ninth reliquy, and and won the game from there. I can't remember into a forge tender to honor the pure into the wind. Uh, and then there was another turn where it was when Jacobs was in the quarterfinals where Jacobs was playing Ritzel. Ritzel. Paul finds a... Uh, Jacobs gets down an early Coalition Relic and was able to do a turn 5 Cruel Ultimatum. But he, to this, up to this point, he had not played one. He played a Mana Tithe to counter it and then goes in for the win from that. So facing a turn 5 Cruel Ultimatum and still just going undefeated in the top 8. He's got a, this guy had, had some skill in this play. I mean, obviously, to that's, that's pretty fun. take first place at Pro Tour. Because you had to think Brad was tapping down seven, thinking this is the game. Michael Jacobs. I'm sorry. Michael, yeah. Jacobs tapping down seven, this is game. Yeah, well, is it with the Coalition Relic, with the free man exactly. off of it? Yeah, so you have to have two of them going. That's what I'm saying. Like, turn five, though, you're dropping that, I'm going to, this is going to wipe you. You see your hand, you you get your starting hand, you see the two Coalition Relics, you see the, probably lands, and then the one Cool Ultimate, and you're like, this is my plan. I'm going to get him with this. This will win me the game, because you get... He curves up. Perfect. Goes yeah. to turn five, drops it, and two It's a mana type of all cards. What's mana type? It's a, for one white instant counter target spell, unless it's controller plays one. It's a white counter And he just needs... He can't pay one? Right, because he, he curved out to five. Like, he was able to get it down on turn five. He was so happy about that. You Played know, a cast spell Nobody would He could have waited one more turn. But why would you? Why would He, he hadn't seen a man like at this said, point. Who plays that card? This, is you know? this, this card. Who plays that well, card? Let me tell you what Cool Ultimatum does, Tim, since you don't know. Uh, I believe opponent goes first. Opponent sacrifices a creature. Opponent mm-hmm. discards three cards. Opponent loses three life. Life. Then... You get a creature back from your graveyard. You draw three cards and gain five life. That's oh, that's the new kick. And when we were talking about this, kick of the junk, kick yeah. the junk. Yeah, you used to be steering wind, but Clarence said this is like yeah. So a real this big. is the I'm kick of the junk. It's back of the face. <laughs> yeah, kick punch headbutt, if you will. On turn five, it would decimate anybody almost. It would have been over. It yeah, would have had a, would he, he would have ate it. Yeah. So on turn five, you know he untapped and he's like, "This is a game," you know, and man, so, I And I want to talk about the. And the very, how it ended. Brad Nelson against Ritzel. Sure. Uh, going into that third game after he's beat Brad for two. Um, Brad gets the nut straw. He goes, he gets the, uh, the the harbinger and the harbinger and the door in. And he's got uh, Ritzel on the ropes, but he's had, he had two under the pures in play. He went like second turn on the pure, third turn on the pure, and he played a couple creatures, but the guy he took care of. Nameless Inversion was a key card also in the Treehouse decks. 
because it not only does it, it it's a removal it could be a pump mm -hmm. to win you the game it could also pump your Tarmogoyf because yeah. of the tribal and instant uh, so he been off in his creatures no creatures and then finally he lands it goes to turn 5 lays down his third honor of the pure and then spectral procession oh, and Brad just presents his hand why what's it do he, he, I think Brad's at 16 life just from his own honor hands honor the pure is uh, one white one colorless and champs that says all creatures all white creatures is it all white or is all uh, white creatures you control get plus what plus what white creatures in control so he's got three of those down so any creature he puts down is going to be at least uh, a three four at least a three four yeah. okay um, Brad was also playing what of Elspeth they talked about how that was his and like you put down one creature and you know he's got two and it's like it's like a four four and he's putting down another one it's like a five he's getting taken care of him he's killing him with whatever spells uh, so he gets three on the peers out and he plays spectral procession which is trip white uh, one two three white or you know it's a it has the converted the hybrid one hybrid. white or two colorless for each one like so any color can play this card you play four five or six for it right and so it says put three one one white spirit tokens with flying into play so he plays a sorcery that gives him three four fours with flying like four like big old beasts he still had a handful of cards too so I'm sure he had some brave Otter brain the other guy just fighting to fighting moth, he had nothing left the only way Brad did beat Kai Booty in the semifinals it was such such some great matches I recommend anybody just go back just to watch their matches uh, was because he got Elspeth like three of the five games he had a what up Elspeth and without that flying coming in for that damage he would there would have been no way he would have been able to beat the white Winnie deck yeah. Now, I don't know what the difference between Kai's and this one was, but it was it was very little. Like I never saw either Smart Candace played by Kai. I never saw uh, uh, Ranger Views. Actually, I did see Ranger Views. No, I didn't see Ranger Views from Kai. Nope. And never saw the the Manatee either. So I don't know what the exact differences were, but they probably probably weren't many. What's uh okay? Well, that that's Quartz Man. That's the number one deck list that came out of it. And it's gonna kind of give you uh, a long recap of how it went. It also, like I said, that the, the top the Hall of Fame was announced. It was the three that were Game of Steve got the number one slot. Brian Kibler number two, and Tomohara Saito got number three. Very cool. So that so if you care, there you go. I think they're all very deserving, and there's probably up, there was probably five or six. I really wanted my vlog to make it in. Yeah, there's there's five or six others there, you know, are deserving as well, and they'll get in. There's yeah, sure. Um, so we want to talk about uh, something Sam brought up to me the other day. He read about. I didn't read about it. I heard him talk about it on Internet Magic, and I, I always call Josh when I get new information. Like Josh, Josh, did you hear about this? Because I like to be the one to tell him. I don't like him to have to read it. I do the work. So, Internet <laughs> Magic talked about these uh, new pre-constructed decks that they're going to be coming to Magic in February of 2011. These pre-constructed decks are called event packs or event picks. Excuse me. And what they are, they're supposed to be a 75 card ready to go deck that comes with dice and sleeves where you just open it out of the and then go play an event with it. Not necessarily like a Grand Prix or a Pro, or a pro Tour or anything, but you know, probably do well at a PTQ or mostly designed for your FNM players. Yeah, like I, so I think like, it's going to be the target audience. Like your, your charge up guy, like Dave, Dave is going to say, uh, we're going to do Friday Night Magic on Friday. You know, it's a little standard tournament. This deck. 
you take it with you, it'll it'll be good enough to play. If you don't think your deck's good enough, you don't have all the yeah, cards you want. Like, well, I don't have good enough cards. Or you brought your own homebrew deck last week and just got got owed to hear something that <laughs> might show you the right, put you in the right direction. So do we have any but new? It, this is this is kind of funny that Dan has already been doing. He's made has a couple decks pre-made that you could buy and everything. New decks, new yes. decks, yeah. So it's kind of like the same concept. This is going to happen. Yes. yes. Uh, there has been no new information. Uh, it's all speculation at this point. Everyone is just thrown up because, like, okay, how are they going to make these decks competitive? What are well, they going to do? Are they going to well, give wait, us mythic rares? Let's, let's go with the pros first. What are the pros to this? The pros outcome? don't care. More, no, oh. no, pros and cons. More people will play. It gives a guy yeah. that doesn't have as much skill or the resources to obtain a lot of these cards, other than buying tons of decks, the opportunity to jump in at base level. He yes. can jump in and compete. I ain't saying he's going to win because there's a lot more involved, but at least gives him the opportunity that he could win. Yeah. I think it's uh, really great for the returning Magic player. Like, oh, I used to play this all the time, but, you know, then word got in the way. I got a family and everything, and I'm trying to get back in the game now. What's the best way? Buy this deck go to, if you want to play in a tournament. I'm sure, you know, it's obviously going to be able to be adjustable, too, so you can add to it oh, yeah. opening packs and making it better. Absolutely. Yeah, What's your take on it, Matt? For some reason, I really like the fact that it has sleeves with it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's ready to go. <laughs> it made me very happy with <laughs> it. Uh, you said those pity sleeves over here that kills me, dude. Another, shut your face. Another pro to it is I've heard this happen a couple times, like where somebody will leave their deck at home on a tournament. <laughs> Where did you like, ever hear that happening, Josh? <laughs> I just read a story about well, it. Was it episode number nine? Once. I think we talked about it. Okay. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, um, I guess the real question also, another pro is that maybe it'll contain cards that uh, collectors will need. Like, maybe, I'm not saying maybe it will, but maybe. Slot after Mythic Rares? Yeah. You maybe. don't think they're going to do like what they did, where they put like a different border around them well, so you know they were... No, not if you're going to build a tournament tournament So, even if they do, I mean, the value might get, but it, it won't matter because you can play in a tournament. What I'm worried about is I'm putting a different set symbol on it. And therefore distinguishing that you got it out of an event pack. No, and, I and whether or not that'll that. make it more sought after or degrade the price. That's all. I don't know. That's Maybe. all speculation. Anyway, you look at that. Well, what about the cons? What's the negative part, Tim? The negative part is it takes away from. <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> I thought you said Sam. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> the, the only negative for me is that a lot of people put a lot of work into this. They, and it's not necessarily. I don't know if you say fair, but fair that you put more time, more effort. We're ready for this tournament, and I could just walk in with, if I had an average amount of skill, and come in with a deck that was equal to yours, without doing anything, just except spending money. Well, it almost promotes the person with enough money to spend can have what they want. That's how well, magic that, that's is, how magic anyway. is. <laughs> well, uh, but but the to acquire the expensive cards, you don't have to, does not make you a good player. You can, you can build fine tier one decks without having the expensive cards. You can't. That that that's Magic's way of justifying justifying their if high dollar. If these decks start cards. winning, why would you use anything else? Well, if okay, these yes. decks start winning, this is I'm should a brick. No, here's something I want to bring. Is like you said, the person that's going to build a deck is going to put more time and resources into making that deck, and they'll definitely have the advantage well, over here, the Joe. I think there's going to be certain this. decks, yeah. and the deck list is going to be out there. So you're going to be you're going to be knowledgeable of this deck, and if it does get popularity, I mean, you're going to see it coming. There's no surprise mm -hmm. to it. That is the the choice you're making by taking that deck. 
I want to know if they're going to have pros make the decks or if they're going to do just like the R&D, like these are the archetypes we want you guys to That's play. That's what, what I would, would be wrong with it. But anyways, the, the negative part of, that I see about this most is, is it takes away from the what I think is the core of magic, the deck building, the innovations. You you picking, you buying all these cards and looking at me and like, these ones are good, these ones work together. Like, that's one of my favorite things about the game is deck, is building decks and whatnot. Now, I also enjoy seeing, like, I'd like to know what the pros are playing, what, what, what the best cards out there are, what they think are, and seeing how they interact. And, and I really enjoy that, and then thinking, okay, doing my own thing or whatever. But I, you know, enjoy, I don't know, it really just, it just could take away from that, to take away the innovation. Like, you have a new player coming into the game, why, why do I need to fill the deck and get better? I can just buy this one, you know? I don't know. I just hope that the people who buy these decks and take them just get owned so they can be like, oh, shit, I need no, to make this deck better. No, you don't want that. That's exactly what you don't want. <laughs> That's what I do want because I, I'm personally, I, I, I really think it's a great idea. Your deck is better than that crap. Well, hang on. Right? Before we get to what I, you're getting ready to say, Matt. I'm going to say, if I built a deck and handed it to someone and said, hey, play this deck. It's a competitive deck. It's going to be all right. You can have all these cards. They, I guarantee you, probably 95 percent assuredness, they're going to end up changing that deck somehow by probably the next time they even play with it after playing once, especially with you know, considering the, the local environment, what they're playing with, and just new cards that come out. It's going to be it's no different than seeing a Pro Tour deck list and playing with it and then changing it, it to yeah. what you need and, you know, that's that's pretty much what goes on anyway. This is true, and I think that that's like their thought behind it too like this is what's going on anyway so my negative side of it is that it's like Sam said it does take away innovation it does take away the uh, core deck building but you know what a lot of people that think they can build decks can't Ryan Shea <coughs> Ryan Shea I'm just Ryan saying <laughs> what, you, what you can do though is like you can take this deck which hopefully you know will have a good man account and that's a main thing that a lot of people mess up on and all oh, of yeah, like Matt sure. was saying New players. and so you are more likely to succeed using that deck so while we, you and I enjoy making our own decks and sometimes they are successful a lot of people don't and when I used to build new decks when I for years when being new players and whatnot and I'd build a new deck I was just so excited to go run the gauntlet with it you know I wanted I wanted to go play it I'd wake everyone up and do whatever I had you to go play the deck because it's so exciting to build a new deck and I want to see how it works see if cards are as good as I think they are and I just I just don't want anyone else getting into the game not having that experience uh, I, th- I think someone that buys this to miss out on that I think is missing out on a lot of what magic is help them if it's really tournamently, it's going to help them see how to build a competitive and good deck. Yeah, that's not saying that's what they're going to do always. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I mean, this, I this happens a lot in, I always say, video games. Get a good game, gets hardcore following, it's played by competitive players that learn how to play it by extreme rules, and the link curve is really hard. Are you going to pull out cheat codes? No, but this is really... It's No, no, it's not cheat, but it's lowering the learning curve, almost, in a sense, because... Like you were saying, all that effort, you learned it and how magic became because you could build it, you learned how to use your man and you talk to people, they're not going to have to do that. I'm not, but you're not... I, they're still going to have to do that to a point. And it might yeah, make all decks not, look the same. It's not making that a race. It's just making, at this point in time, this is what this, this guy is doing. But like Matt was saying, eventually he'll probably try to build his own deck. This, this gets him in the tournament tonight. 
Yeah, it gets the it gets, gets the, the ball rolling. We always say it gets the scrubs playing, and I think it's a great idea. And Wizards is not known for making bad uh, making bad. It lets me having have bad chance. ideas, <laughs> <It> making <laughs> bad decisions, no, making bad business decisions, business decisions. And all they, they're going to offend the, some people, but really, some it is a good. I would say overall, it's a, it's probably a fantastic move well, okay, because now I can go to a tournament without. You guys brought up the expansion. You can go that anyways, then. You guys brought up the expansion symbols and the borders and everything that would make the deck different, and. And what about the card choices, too? Sam and I have been talking about this. What do you guys think that, like, the base price should be on something like this? And what should it contain? Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, this, this is the, it's vast where you can go with this. You can go anywhere. Go ahead, sorry, man. Tell us what you think. Like, what, like, what I think they're arguing that. If you were making this product, what would you do with it? Like, what would you want to sell it at? Tell me, no, tell me what you want to do with, like, card choices and symbols, everything. Like, what, and, like, what you price it at? Um... I would. I, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna price it at thirty dollars. Um, that that seems where it's it's not low enough where people are gonna go. Oh, this isn't gonna have very good cards in it, but it's not high enough where someone's like, man, I want to pop off too much money for this. Um, I'd put in a good selection of rares, maybe a mythic. You know, one, a mythic, a myth, maybe a mythic, maybe well, a some mythics. Out there some are mythics like aren't worth that much. Yeah, it's you know they. Probably aren't going to put like a, a Gideon in there or anything, but, but that maybe if they do, that'd be great. I, I don't. Have well, if any you're building, with that. if you're making this product, would you put a Gideon in there? Um, yes, I'd put at least one really standout card per deck, like one Opal Mox per deck or whatever. Yeah, type card. Because that way you're drawing not only the new player, but you're also yeah, you're getting someone. Man, I need it. I need a Gideon. This for sure. This is about producing a product and magic. You know the value of a Gideon. Let's say what is it? Thirty bucks right now. It's not that much. Twenty-three. Whatever they printed. Wizards it for, of the Coast doesn't they care got how them, much Gideon they going got their for money on the, the moment market. they put it for eight dollars. They don't get anything. They do. They do a little bit. They're not going to throw a Jason Minus filter in every one of these. They're, well, they're not they going to see that, that card get printed I mean, again. They're not. They're not making any money off of Jace going for. $100. They're not. Yes, they are because they are sold out of World Wake, sir. They sold out of World Wake before they sold out of Rise of Eldrazi. Alright, they uh, still they still only the get the value of the eight dollar a pack, eighty dollar price. They're not getting it per card. Yeah, they're not they're not making. Yeah, they, they know they're just printing money. They know that. What about you, man? Okay, what would you do if you were making this? I well, I didn't really think about it from that viewpoint. You can make a deck that's pretty much comprised of rares, and still have it at about thirty bucks, and then throw in that one chase rare. I mean, because like. We've seen spoilers now from Scars and Mirrodin. We've are, I, there's already three cards that just stand out that we know they're going to go for money, regardless. Like Opal Mox is already being pre uh, pre sold at fifty bucks, as well as the Vincer and, and the new Elspeth are both both up there about forty fifty bucks being pre sold already. So we're going to be seeing these two or three chase cards per set. Now what they can do is just like with the different archetypes of different decks is just include just like a one of these cards, these chase cards, and and that I think that that would be their best way to do it. Now, as far as like mythics go, they cannot foresee like what mythics are going to be like. You know, the sleeper mythic that's going to go for money later on or whatnot. Uh, or they they can usually know the ones that are big, but they don't know the ones that aren't going to go big. So I mean, I, I, it's questionable whether or not they're just going to start random mix like Omnath or okay. Avengers in a car or whatnot. What do you think, though? What, if you were building this, what would I you would do? I would say like a good amount of rares, and then probably that one Chase Mythic rare. 
and some key commons and uncommons. There's always the key commons and uncommons. You get your path exiles. Would you do anything to alter the... No, I wouldn't. I would just use the straight-up original cards. I think that would be the best marketing plan they could do. Like, you got the premium deck series. We already got the premium deck series at MSRP at, like, $35.99. I'm not saying what they have done. I know, and what they've done, and they've redone all these old cards and everything, and that's fine. Like, with this, I think we just... Since it is designed just for tournament and, like, an upgradable decks and whatnot, I think it would be very choice if they just actually sought out the cards from the secondary market even, you know, or was whatever they have laying around, and just so, use the actual cards. But what they probably are going to do is different set symbols, and just like reprint these cards. And what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, they what do. would you do with this? I, a lot of things, a lot of my things I would do, you know, come from video games background and more of the gaming, is uh, what WoW did. You know, have you ever heard of EverQuest person talk about how much they hate World of Warcraft? Because it's the dummy version of all the work you used to have to push in, it gets easier. EverQuest? But as, as a... Yeah, EverQuest is hard. Oh, okay. World of Warcraft is played by more and it's a because lot it's easier. easier. So okay. in this sense, if I'm the creator of this new deck, I make it easier. I don't care if I drive it. Actually, I want the prices of these cards to be driven down so more people can buy them, more people want to play. Because mm-hmm. I'm about promoting more players overall as a producer, not a select few who control... The greatest cards, or, or have a have a lockdown on this price fluctuation. These pre pre sold for fifty bucks. If I'm a producer, I kind of need that to disappear a little bit. Yeah, fifty's getting extreme. You're talking baseline players could yeah, walk think, into a place and see that and be like, I can't play this. Exactly. Game. I love that tip. I hope I hope that's the view they take on it. God, yeah. I hope. I don't think that's anything should be over twenty. And yeah, in, in current mm-hmm. standard, nothing should be over twenty. You should be able to get a card for twenty bucks. The legends of the legends, you know, there's the cards from way back in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, as the cards get older, yes, they should gain value. That makes them the collectible part mm-hmm. of the collectible card game. That's why we'll never get rid of All our right, Italian so Eureka. What I would do is, I would agree, I agree, I wouldn't change the uh, set symbol, I wouldn't change the border. But you know they are. You know they are. No, I don't. Historically I speaking, historically symbol. speaking, everything Wizards has released like this has had a new set symbol. There has been a reprint of the card. It is putting more of the set cards into we the market rather than... Like this. What you're going off of is like the sliver deck and what you're going off is uh, from the vault. Um... That's that's not a deck in the dual decks, man. Like all all other promotional, like you can make the argument like like the the uh, intro okay. packs. The dual decks are different because those are not standard cards, are they? Am I wrong about that? And then some of them are. Some of them are, but it's not a standard deck. You're not going to be taking. No, it's not a standard deck. So there shouldn't be the confusion. That's why I'm saying you wouldn't want to change. What about the duels of the Planeswalker decks? I don't know. I don't. They have different set symbols. Oh, okay. Well, okay, get past that. What I would do also is, like you guys were also saying, I, w- I would put in anything it needed. Whatever the deck needed, I'd put it in, regardless of the card choice. Like, build them to win. Don't, right. don't hinder them. Yeah. Just... Well, maybe... Maybe we'll see a Ford, a Vistle Persecutor. That would be competitive <laughs> where you could put in a couple different That's creatures. what I'm saying, like... No, I, I'm going I'm to redraw that statement. What I would do is I'd put in, like, one Gideon. I would put in one of some of these more powerful ones because you do want them to attain the other cards that they need. Like, mm-hmm. wow, this Gideon, when I get Gideon, I, I win. I need to get more Gideons. So you buy either a new starter pack or you buy, buy or boosters. Or seek out the yeah. secondary market. Right, yeah. so this is a competitive deck, and, ha- and I think they're going to make it very synergistic, and they're going to also use archetypes, like Sam was saying. Like, uh, not maybe force us into it, but, like, Look, here's Landfall, and this deck is built around They're, they're going to push the new mechanics and archetypes, mm-hmm. just like they do with the intro and decks. what you're saying by only putting one, right there drives the, co- the value of all these cards Maybe down like to the $30. Big, the big cards, and put like two of, you know, another good card, and three of, like, so you're always, 
like, man, I really like this card. I need to not a play set of anything is what I would do. I not a play set of anything? Yeah. No, maybe, four, are, maybe four comments, of our staples. Maybe comments. And maybe this is kind of why I hope that Mike Flores designs all these decks, because we'll get four of of everything. <laughs> well, it gives them something to trade. But that's not a very good idea, because it doesn't make the person innovative, like we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, exactly. I understand exactly what you're saying. Like, the not having four of's is a great idea, as far as not hindering the innovation. So but I'm by thinking. not doing four of's, you're taking away from the consistency of the deck in general, like the actual competitiveness of the deck. All Like, key cards of every deck, there's four of. There's not a there's not a, a deck out there outside of maybe some vintage decks that, that aren't running at least three or four forums that are just staples of how the deck works. So I like I don't I, I don't see both of those striking. You right, know? So after discussing it and not and just knowing what we do know, what do you guys? This think? is all is speculation. It, yes, is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? As far I as think overall, it's a good. for who for everybody for magic as for the magic community. I'm, I'm going to say it's a good idea. I like it. I think it's a good idea. I think that we will all be humbled when we actually see the final product. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I start. Playing I think. Again. Yeah, I think this is a four, maybe five star idea. It gets more people in the tournaments. It gets more people in the magic. Every time we hear an announcement like this, it's always like, "Oh God, they can really screw it up." But they always tend to do it quite gracefully. They, they tend to give it what lately. That's <laughs> like three years, probably. Yeah, like at the beginning where they gave us banding. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. Well, next time we'll talk about banding. All music for Raiders of the Fairies Puzzle Box is provided by Hearts for Hire. You can find them on Facebook, Hearts for Hire.